Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On July 13, 2015, I had a conversation with CJOB Radio of Winnipeg, Canada, with host Charles Adler, where he discussed a number of issues, including the kinds of compensations that passengers may get when airliners are delayed overnight or for some long period of time, and also my thoughts on the new seating configuration that was proposed by some airlines in the media recently, a configuration that would end up packing more people into the airplane, and the possible safety implications of such a configuration. We haven't chatted with Todd Curtis of airsafe.com in a long time. This is a, a perfect opportunity. We brought this up on Friday's show. Uh, it's a new design for airplanes that may make more money for the airlines because they want to put as many people into the spaces as possible, right? They want as many passengers as possible. That's why we don't have much headroom, legroom, elbow room, you name it. They're squeezing us in, all right, like sardines. But it could get even worse in a different sort of way. It's a new design that I think Todd Curtis may tell us may actually be hazardous if the plane needs to be evacuated. Todd Curtis, uh, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks again for having me. So tell us about this uh, new design that may or may not fly, if you will. Well, clearly it's a creative design. I'll have to uh, give them credit for that. It does uh, pack more people into the same amount of space. Now, passengers may have some uh, problems with it because it uh, forces passengers to look at each other at, a, at close range, which could be uncomfortable. But more to the point, beyond being uncomfortable, I think it's potentially dangerous for the following reason. Um, when it comes to aircraft, one of the things you really can't get around is the fact that you have to be able to evacuate people from that aircraft. That is, aircraft are designed in a certain way so that uh, by, by rule, really, by regulation, you have to be able to evacuate all the people inside the aircraft within 90 seconds using half the exits. Now, if you have a design which literally packs more people into the airplane, it begs the question, by doing so, do you make it so difficult to evacuate the airplane that you're unable to meet that re that requirement? If you can't meet that requirement, those seats won't fly, literally. What about this business? I mean, the Twitterverse was almost 100% negative on the idea of passengers being forced to look at each other. What do you make of that? Well, there have been designs in the past. and In fact, some years ago, Southwest Airlines, with many of their uh, aircraft, had a section of about five or six seats where you had... Uh, two rows basically facing each other. So you would have this nice little cozy arrangement where six people would be sitting in close proximity. And some people liked it, some people didn't. But there were no real issues with that because it was only in a small part of the airplane. Uh, but beyond that, in this day and age, when virtually every airline passenger has their own personal entertainment system right there with them in their smartphone, if you really don't want to look at your fellow passenger, it's easy to ignore them. So explain to me from an engineer's standpoint, why is it more difficult to evacuate a plane if you've got this design where people are seated opposite each other? Well, there are two reasons. First, as we all know from flying in airplanes, you have your standard seating where you have a, a row of seats and basically everyone is facing that same direction. So if you have to get up and get into the aisleway, you're basically going in single file. With the sort of creative uh, configuration, the drawings of which I saw online, it looks as though you may still have some space, but it may be not a straight little row to get out of, but you may have to take a little bit more time to maneuver out. That's part of it. The other part of it is 
The ultimate goal of this new configuration is to put more people in the same space. And although it's possible to design newer aircraft with more exit doors, basically what you're talking about is the installed base of aircraft right now, thousands of airliners around the world, have a certain number of doors. Those won't be made any bigger. They can't be expanded. You have to work with what you have. We're talking to Todd uh, Curtis of airsafe.com. Uh, He's uh, worked for uh, companies that make airplanes. He's also worked for the U.S. Air Force. I want to ask you about uh, flight delays and, and, and the rights of a passenger, but let me just start out with this. I mean, people have all sorts of uh, complaints about airlines, including the delays uh, sitting on the tarmac or whatever. Um, are there, in, in, in the country that you're living in, Todd Curtis, in, in the USA, are there passenger rights enshrined in any kind of legal document right now? Uh, there are no legally binding, no regulatory passenger rights that exist right now in the United States beyond some very limited rights when it comes to the airplanes that are on the tarmac and sitting there for several hours. There's some limited amount of, of compensation that passengers can have. But for the most part, when it comes to domestic flying, how much compensation, if any, an airline gives to you is up to that airline. And much as is the case with many of the major carriers in Canada, they may go out of their way to explicitly have some guidelines saying they will provide such and such and such situations. But there's no regulatory requirement in the U.S. to do so. Right. And that, 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 the reason I'm asking is because the word right is a is a legal term. And I just find, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just find that word is used in such a, a casual way. And oftentimes it's it's used in a way that's completely inappropriate because there is no legal right. There is no legal foundation for that right. So I guess what people are trying to say, whether they're journalists or others, uh, they're trying to say privileges, but they call privileges rights. Well, again, I'm no lawyer. I'm not going to play one on radio. But we're dealing with a situation here where you have the generally accepted terms of what they mean. Then you have the actual contractual uh, relationship that exists between an airline and a passenger. There is something called a contract of carriage, which every airline has, which spells out what they will do in certain situations and what they're responsible for. And in most cases, when it comes to common delays, the contracts of carriage uh, don't really give the passengers that many rights. Now, there are some situations, especially when it comes to international travel, which because of generally acceptable, accepted regulations for international travel, there are certain compensations that happen between certain countries. And again, if you're flying to and from the European Union, there are certain rules that apply that may not apply when you're flying between Canada and the U.S. Let me give you an example. Uh, it was uh, years ago, um, I was uh, taken to an airport, which I didn't want to go to, but it was because of weather. And then, of course, we were told that because of weather, we'd have to stay uh, overnight and then get out the following day. Okay, so transportation-wise, this wasn't difficult. It was just a bit of a nuisance, but hey, uh, it was the weather. It was a, what, what some people call an act of God. It wasn't the fault of the airlines. Okay, I got that. But when it came to staying somewhere overnight, when I asked uh, the person attached to the airline, so what do you want me to do? The person who obviously was overwrought with all sorts of uh, issues said, you're on your own, man. You're on your own. Here's my question. Uh, are we on our own? Or in general, is there some sort of understanding that if you've got to stay over a night, uh, that the airline will accommodate that by a finding you a room and b most important paying for it unless there's a contract in place unless there's certain rules in place especially when i talked earlier about certain bilateral uh, 
relationships between countries. In most cases, especially for domestic travel, not just in the U.S. and Canada, but around the world, if you're on a domestic airline, there's a domestic flight, there's a weather delay, act of God, what have you. In most cases, you are literally on your own. They may, out of the goodness of their heart, offer you something in the way of compensation. It may be a voucher for a meal. It may be a discounted ticket in a future flight. But as far as providing you with hotels uh, when you need it most, in most cases, no. So I didn't have a legal right. I wasn't entitled. Uh, I wasn't even didn't have the, that that privilege. If they had decided to privilege me with that, uh, that would have been fine. And I would have accepted it. But they didn't owe it to me. That's correct. Now, of course, one can make the argument that one can always buy third party insurance of some sort that will deal with uh, trip cancellations, with uh, unscheduled overnight stays, etc., where you'll be con compensated. But again, that's a step that most people don't take because the common assumption is that, come what may, they'll get to their destination. But in fact, the airline, in most cases, is not obligated to get you to your destination on that particular uh, time frame on the ticket. And if it happens that you have a 5-hour, 6-hour, 25-hour delay, uh, they may be forced to give you something because of bad public relations that comes from that, especially in this day and age when every passenger may tweet to their heart's content about just how awful the situation is. But realistically, in most cases, no. Uh, Todd, have you got an update for us on uh, where people are in, in your country, in the United States, on carrying their bags onto airlines and all of the delays that ensue, not to mention the nuisance of, of trying to get the baggage into those tight little compartments? Well, the changes that have happened here in the U.S. is that more airlines are going to a point where they're not allowing you free check bags, for instance. And I believe JetBlue was one of the recent ones that went from having a one free check bag to no free check bags, which will just encourage people to do more carry-ons. Now, there are very specific rules for every airline saying, hey, your carry-on bag has to be such and such a size and such and such weight. And in most cases, there's not going to be a problem if you go a little bit overboard with it. But realistically, many more people are trying to pack much more into their carry-ons. And if you run out of space in the overheads, things have to be checked. And you could have a situation where things can get a bit ugly, where uh, your bag is uh, pulled out because it's technically above the size limit for that airline. And suddenly you're being hit with a 25 or even $50 or more charge per bag to get from point A to point B. And this isn't going to go away anytime soon because this is nothing but money for the airlines, right? Uh, well, it's not only uh, money. It is actually one of the major sources of profit for U.S. airlines and airlines around the world. Their revenue models are based on the fact that there are extra charges that people are being um, levied when it comes to baggage, when it comes to changing planes, which is absolutely a part of the uh, bottom line of, of today's modern airline. Airsafe.com is the organization that uh, Todd is the head of. Airsafe.com. We go to that website virtually every day. Uh, Todd, uh, have a wonderful summer, would you? Oh, and you too as well. Todd Curtis. For more information about airline safety and security, please visit airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.